This podcast replay is brought to you by Caneswear.com. For all your Canes, Dolphins, and Heat needs, visit them at 2511 South University Drive in Davie. Free shipping with online orders over $99. Go to Caneswear.com at Miami Fanware. That's the spot where South Florida fans shop. How you doing, baby? You doing good? Doing good. Oh, how are you? Cannot complain, my man. Uh, legs getting uh, a little better, so uh, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to start uh, moving around uh, a little bit better. So, anyway, uh, so talk to me a little bit about a brochure. <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, the fun part of the uh, the weekend for the Miami Hurricanes uh, watching uh, Mario Cristobal and Brett Bielema, the Illinois coach, get into it on Twitter. Uh, this is the dead period, man. We are like starving for stuff. Spring football is not till the start of March. So this is the kind of stuff that entertains us. So, uh, Bielema, uh, obviously was upset that, uh, they weren't able to land either of the top recruits, meaning Illinois wasn't able to land either of the top recruits in their own state, including Marquise Lightfoot, a kid that they went after pretty hard an edge rusher. So Lightfoot tweets out, um, a link to, uh Miami's NIL collective you know promoting the NIL collective and then Brett Bielema uh quote tweets uh what what uh, Lightfoot puts out there and I'd say I'd love to see a brochure for this basically insinuating that the only reason Lightfoot signed with Miami is because he got a really good NIL deal and 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 Mario uh Mario clapped back Mario clapped back and was like uh took a took a screenshot from a fan and said hey look we signed the top two players I like this brochure so it was a little fun, a little fun uh, jab between two uh, two head coaches of Power Five schools uh, over uh, over recruiting trail stuff, man. It's so entertaining somebody, to me. Somebody <laughs> tell Brett Bielema that you're in Illinois, bro. <laughs> you're in Illinois, okay? You're in Illinois, all right? Yeah. So, you're not. Oh, you're not going to win. You're not going to beat Miami for a lot of recruits that they want. So you're uh, not going to beat a lot of teams. Not. Yeah. Forget Miami's way lower on the totem pole that just beat you. There's a shitload of teams ahead of Miami that you're also not going to beat. FSU and Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. We could just go on and on. So you're Illinois, okay? So there's 40, 50 other schools that, 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 that players are going to think of before they go to Illinois. I mean, seriously. But, like, the last time we were talking about Illinois down here was, like, Vontae Davis. <laughs> it, it has been that long. And you're right, though. I just looked at the 2024 recruiting class. Illinois uh, didn't sign any of the top 13 recruits in their own state. So there Brother, you go. We, <laughs> that, that, that's the day I knew Jeff George, excuse my French out there, was a complete wussy. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right? A complete wussy. Why? Because we had Craig Erickson and Vinny Testaverde, if I'm correct, and mm-hmm. they were recruiting Jeff George at the same time. Right. And he chose to stay at Illinois instead of come to Miami. And then he transferred to Purdue, was it? I'm trying or to something? remember where he ended up. Uh a while ago, bro. I'm trying to remember shit right so off the many, top. So many decades ago now. No, he ended up at Illinois. That's where he ended it, up at. So he he instead of going from from Purdue to Illinois, he went. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, it was Purdue to Illinois. That's how it okay. ended up going. So, yep. so the wussy, we recruited him out of Purdue, but because he knew we had Testaverde and Craig Erickson, he chose to go to Illinois. And and as a kid following college football, okay, mm-hmm. I'm 57 now. Yeah, what year was that? What year was that Purdue oh. to Illinois? That was in the 80s, man. Late eight, mid mid to late 80s. Yeah, that's like 86, 87. So I'm like 20 there. This is 30 something years ago. At yeah. that point, I said, You're going to Illinois. <laughs> so I'm saying Illinois then. So and you're I'm, still saying that now. You're still saying that I'm now, all these years later. Now, Brett. Just watch it. <laughs> Just bring it a full circle if you want. I mean, yeah, I, I Illinois basketball. Now that used to be pretty damn good back right. in the day. But Illinois football, come on, bro. I mean, I know there's, like, some Illinois fan that's going to run into this, and they're just going to, like, hate life that I just killed Illinois <laughs> for a couple minutes. 
Oh, man. All right, so what else is going on? Any other news going on on the Canes front? Well, they're still looking for a uh, defensive backs coach, and uh, I mentioned to you last week on Friday when uh, – available, by the way. Sam Madison. Who? Sam Madison needs a job. That's true. There you go. That's another name that that's intriguing, right, uh, to throw out there. I, I tend to think it's going to be somebody who uh, Lance Guidry has had experience with before. He coaches – and, and can recruit, yeah. I mean, I think that's th those are those kind of spots. And and like I mentioned before, Gidry coaches uh, safeties, so this is like a cornerback job. Meaning the guy doesn't even have to coach the entire secondary; he can just come in and do one one part of it, split the job with Gidry, and 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 you know. So so having a really good recruiter makes sense. Somebody with South Florida ties, obviously, especially you know, cornerback is a position that, if we're being honest, that's the one area besides quarterback. I would say the one area on defense where Miami has not necessarily done great like Tyreek Stevenson had a great rookie season with the Bears but he was a guy that they got in the transfer portal out of Georgia and uh you know obviously now you're gonna have Cam Kitchens and and James Williams drafted but you look at the cornerback spot in particular like there's been a lot of really really good players that have left South Florida to go play elsewhere and uh and so recruiting cornerback would be uh something big for Miami yeah uh and it's unlike Miami that they have been, you know, kind of, uh, let's say, weak overall. Mm -hmm. they, they haven't been as strong as they used to be at that spot. They were one of the strongest in college football. Now, that has not been the case for a few years now. Man. Well, that's what's happened. The SEC's gotten all the best ones. Like Alabama and, and, and Georgia have, have gotten the majority of the elite QBs because they're the ones playing for championships. And so... I think, you know, there, there's been some really good ones down here. Obviously, Patrick Sertan, you mentioned him. His son, you know, was one of the best to come out of this area. Uh, top 10 overall pick in the NFL draft. So a guy that uh, has oodles of talent. Uh, th those are the kind of guys that Miami needed to, to get, and they just weren't able to, to bring here. So I think that's a position going forward, especially the 2025 class, uh, that Miami really, really, really wants to have a guy that can recruit at that spot. Yeah, I would imagine that that's why uh, a guy like, you know, I, I I threw it out there, Sam Mass, Sam, a little fun. That, that, that probably mm -hmm. would not be an option because Sam is doesn't have a, a heavy experience of recruiting. And, and you got to have a guy that really can uh, can get it done. Anything else uh, on uh, on the recruiting front that we should know about? No, just, uh, you know, they're, they're into the 25 guys right now, the evaluation period and, and, you know, offers and getting guys on campus eventually. You know, once spring football starts in March, that's going to be a big push to get a lot of these guys back on campus. The more visits you have on campus, the better shot you feel like you have with, with the best players in the country. So, uh, you know, Mario is, uh, is a recruiter. That's what he's here to do, and, and they're focused on a lot of 25 guys. They just had the Orlando Under Armour uh camp uh this past weekend miami's in a few weeks the the one here uh that they do uh at ives estates park i'll be going to that one uh and you'll have a lot of kids from all over the state going that, to that to compete in it so um you know it's it, it's still very early in the recruiting process but you know spring football is right around the corner it, it will be starting in early march you'll have the spring game probably sometime in april and and then uh you know, go from there and, and get get closer and closer to football season because it feels like it's miles and miles away. Oh, but but when you say spring football is going to start in early March, it's not as daunting anymore, right? At least we'll have something going on with practice. We'll be able to watch these guys and see something, see Cam Ward a little bit, see uh, all the new transfers that they brought in. Yeah, see if some of the guys are healthy too, right? See right, see who's banged up, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's always uh, another issue there. Follow him on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro and catch his work there at The Athletic. You should subscribe. You can keep up every single day. Manny, as always, appreciate you, my brother. We'll catch up on Friday. All right, brother. Take care, man. Good talking to you. Thank you, sir. There you go. Manny Navarro, as always, coming through for us. Don't forget, we come through for you. 10% off at Canesware. Whether you go online, anywhere you're at in the country, Go to Canesware.com. They got Dolphins gear, Marlins gear, Panthers gear, Inter-Miami gear, uh, Miami Heat gear, and, of course, practically anything and everything with the Canes logo on it. Uh, lights and, and neon signs for your bar, sneakers, hats, shirts, stickers, bracelets. I mean, anything and everything you can probably think of with, with a UM logo on it, they probably have it. You'll go crazy in there. Use our code BIGO10. You will get 10% off online. Or if you go in person, when you walk in at 2655 South University Drive, give them our code BIGO10. You will get 10% off at Caneswear.com.
Welcome to Caneswear. New store, new items, same great experience. Family owned and operated since 2010, Caneswear has the latest merchandise from the Miami Hurricanes, Miami Dolphins, Florida Panthers, Inner Miami CF, and more. Come visit us at our store in Davie on University Drive, just south of 595, or online at caneswear.com. Caneswear, the spot Miami fan shop. A ride, a ride, a ride. Brooklyn Rob says get some Indica. A couple of hits of that will make a great night of sleep. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Josh says, oh, I'm buying a megaphone. When the Heat win a championship, I will call out people by name that didn't believe in them. And now are you you're gonna you're gonna hold that megaphone for a few more years? Because they ain't winning a championship with this current bunch. So, you know, now in a couple of years, if they end up with two superstars or three and then they win. You're going to call out the people that didn't believe this team now or, you know, down the line? Because, Josh, I think you'll be holding that megaphone for a while now. Okay? Because the Heat have got to retool that team, and they they certainly don't have a championship-caliber team. They just have a championship-caliber coach that gets the most out of them. I find vaping some Indica, 375 to 400 Fahrenheit, does the same for me, Brooklyn Rob. The only time I remember Illinois having a good team was when they had that great defense with Simeon Rice and Kevin Hardy in the mid-90s. Cosa Nostra says, I'm behind the live show for about an hour. Thank you, Cosa Nostra. That's very nice of you, my brother. Time spent listening is the, the, the greatest gift of all that you guys can give us, is time spent listening. Jamesville says, Big O, glad you're recovering from your surgery and that you're committing to getting in shape. Really looking forward to the results you get. I will freak you out. I am going to work my ass off. And I am going to do my best to try to, you know, control my eating. Because I have no discipline when it comes to that. That's why I've lost the weight and I've gained it and I've lost it and I've gained it and I've lost it. And I've gained it because I'm terrible. I am just irresponsible to the max. Uh, let's see what else. Um, luckily I never insult myself. Always got to mention that every once in a while, because of course, some of you guys will pick up the shrapnel and you think I don't hold myself to the same standard, which if you really listen, I do it all the time. I kill myself all the time. Uh, Alex says that Toto was awesome as well. All right. That's good. Good to hear, bro. Makes me even sadder that I could not go to the concert last night. That was good. Speaking of concerts, you know, we always like throwing a little music. Now you threw that at me. This just came through right in the middle of the interview with Manny Navarro. Pearl Jam has announced a new album, Dark Matter, and a 2024 world tour. This is their 12th album, Dark Matter. It'll be released on April 19th via Monkey Wrench Records and Republic Records. It was produced by Andrew Watt, and its creative process was seemingly a quiet, happy uh, surprise. A press release details how Dark Matter was made in just three weeks at the Shangri-La Studios with the entire band playing together with a burst of inspiration. I'm getting chills because I have good memories. We're still looking for ways to communicate. We're at this time in our lives where you could do it or you could not do it. But we still care about putting something out there that is meaningful. And we hopefully we hopefully think this is our best work. No hyperbole. I think this is our best work. Hard to do that. But I love Pearl Jam, so I don't care. I'm going to go see them. And I always, in every album, I always end up liking several songs, man. Um, but I'm a Pearl Jam fan. So, you know, uh, I, I would not uh, ever diss Pearl Jam. Um, so they put out the 11 songs that are on the album. I'm not going to read the titles because none of us really know the songs yet. Uh, so they don't, they're not uh, common to us. But for you Miami folks or you Florida folks, we have no dates on this tour. Okay. It starts out in, in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. 
goes to Portland, Sacramento, Vegas for the MGM Grand for a couple of nights, the Kia Forum for a couple of nights, uh, then in Napa Valley, then in Seattle for a couple of nights. Then in June, they go to Dublin. Uh, they go to Manchester. They go to London, a date each. Then in July, they go to Berlin for two nights, Barcelona for two nights, and Madrid for two nights. In August, they go to Missoula, Montana. They go to Indianapolis and Chicago, Wrigley Field, two nights. In September, they go to MSG for two nights, Wells Fargo in Philadelphia for two nights, Baltimore for one night, Boston Fenway Pack for two nights. In November, they go to Auckland, New Zealand. They go to Gold Coast, uh, then Melbourne, and then Sydney as they make the Australian trek, and that's it. That's the tour. So you're going to have to travel to go see Pearl Jam if you don't live in any of these markets that I just talked about. Uh, Big O, just take half a per. No, I'm not taking the Percocet. You didn't listen to the show yesterday. I'm not taking any Percocets ever again. That day, those days are done. That shit got me on Saturday. And I only took it because my wife was like, you know, you didn't sleep Friday. You're you're rolling in pain and you can't get in any position. And you you need to try to, you know, you can't live like this. You gotta, you know, so take one and try it. And um, and for those of you that don't know, I took one long time ago and it made my stomach feel kind of weird. I don't like taking painkillers. I'd rather just kind of deal with the pain. Um, and so I don't like taking them. And they gave it to us again, right? 15 pills of that shit. And I took one. And um, it didn't do a number on my stomach because I ate right before it. But it stoned me, like badly. Like I was babbling. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I'm not a I'm not a uh, a fan of it. You know what I'm saying? So that's uh, that's the only thing. So I'm not doing the the Percocet thing, especially to to sleep or anything like that. No, dude, no, I'm not. I don't I don't take any kind of drugs. I don't take any sleeping aids. I don't take anything, dude. You know, I I, I already was stupid enough to get myself overweight to the point that I almost had a heart attack and now I have to take high blood pressure medication and all that other crap that I'm not putting the, these other drugs in me. So I got to try to, what I got to do now is lose all this weight so I can get less medication in my ass because I don't want to be hooked to big pharma. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of, uh, of Percocet. So no, no shot at all. So, anyway, uh, everything in moderation is generally a good choice, including eating habits, not eating large. You know what? I'm the weirdest fat guy, Brett. I don't eat large meals. I pick throughout the day, and I eat terrible foods. That's really what it is. That's really my problem, that I just choose terrible foods on a consistent basis. I am so undisciplined. So lately, I've been doing better, you know. I've been eating more spinach. I've been, I, I was low in iron too, by the way. I was low in iron. And now my iron has gone back up again. And that's also because not, not just the spinach. I, I because of my, um, my gout, I was staying away from meat. And so then that was hurting me also. But the allopurinol is finally working so I can eat some more meat. And then that's helped me out on the iron side. It's a, uh, it's a mission, man. It's a mission. It really is. Finn's fan says, yeah, I'm a full bod at dad at the moment. Need to get back at it. Four year old and an 18 month old. You have no energy or desire after working home all day. And then thank God VP, VPK starts this year. What's VPK? I'm sorry. You lost me there. But good luck to you, FinFan TV. I hope you you get it going, my man. 
We need it. All of us. What is that? VPK is uh, uh, before kindergarten. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, man. Once you get married and you have kids and life takes so it, it becomes that much more of a challenge. I get it. I get it, man. I get it. Uh, the, those of you that have the discipline that still have the kids and still have all that, and then you maintain the exercise and all that. God bless you, man. You people are special. I don't have that quality. I am. I am an idiot. Uh, I tell you. Um, over time in the playoffs, I'm always taking the ball. You know, let's let's talk a little bit about that because it, it seems to be such a hot button topic on the whole overtime. And yeah, you take the ball. In the end, there's a reason why I kept taking points with Kansas City. And to me, I was convinced that Kansas City would find a way to win that game. So if San Francisco took the ball first, they would have either not scored or limited them to a field goal, and then here comes Mahomes and touchdown. You know, so to me, it, it's all a matter. If we want to really look at this for those of us, the majority on this whole thing, okay, because the majority of the people that are watching here are usually South Florida fans, right? Usually, because we're a South Florida-based and centralized sports talk show. We talk about other things. Obviously, we talk about the national stories, like obviously with Shanahan and what's going on here, right? But I, I kind of like to spin things to see where it goes for us, you know, how it affects us. And this is what I would tell you is... All right. Shanahan was part of the debacle with the Patriots and a 25 point lead in the Falcons. He was the offensive coordinator and abandoned the run. And yeah, he abandoned the run in the third quarter. But the problem is that they had the chance to win it in the fourth quarter in overtime and you didn't get it done anyway. You know what I mean? So whatever you we can play the hindsight thing and all that. But in the end. I don't that, that this stuff to me doesn't really matter because I think Kansas City would have won whether they got the ball first or not or whatever. And yes, of course, you always take the ball first in the overtime situation. But here's my 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 real point of this. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan has shown a lack of preparation. He's great at designing plays and everything, but was he ready for overtime? Was he ready with a 25-point lead? Was he ready last year when he had a double-digit lead also? So he his teams are undisciplined with leads in the biggest game of his career as a coordinator and as a head coach. Has he learned? Because it doesn't seem like he's more prepared. So let me ask you something. Does that remind you of anything? Because it seems like Mike McDaniel doesn't learn a goddamn thing. It seems like his teams are constantly unprepared. Right? So for me, habitually, this is what matters to me. Because I don't give a shit about the Niners. And I don't give a shit about Kyle Shanahan. But if Kyle Shanahan has the same kind of stupid habits that Mike McDaniel has that bothers me because season three for the Miami Dolphins under Mike McDaniel, that is the entire deal. I'm not worried about the cap. That silliness. I'll let some of the media create all that drama for you. Okay. I'm not worried about building a good team. I think they've got a I got a, they got a three-headed monster there that knows what the hell they're doing. They'll find personnel. I'm not worried about that. Not worried about Tua either. I'll let you guys out there that never liked Tua in the first place use this as more ammunition to continue the stupid talk that we've had for a few years now. Whatever, you're anti-Tua, you'll always be anti-Tua. And that's it. That's fine. Be set, you know, you're setting your you're setting your ways. That's great. For me, it's all about Mike McDaniel. 
and Kyle Shanahan. And you're under the same tree and you seem like you have the same unprepared habits. So that to me is the problem with the Miami Dolphins or the San Francisco 49ers. Does your head coach do enough to prepare your team for every situation and scenario that's out there? Apparently not. Apparently he doesn't know how to handle every situation. Apparently he fails in all of these situations. That's why I kept taking the points because I didn't give a shit what I was watching. I knew in the end, 15 was going to win the game. 15 would figure it out. Chris Jones would do something. That secondary would do something. Why? Because that's what they've been doing all year. That's what that secondary does. They're the best secondary in the NFL. I saw them grab one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the NFL, and Tyreek Hill, and ragdoll his ass. They weren't even afraid of him whatsoever. In fact, they put the fear into Tyreek Hill is what they did. Because I was like, wow, Tyreek probably said, nobody's ever done that shit to me. I felt like the guy in the marina. Hey, was that karma for uh, Tyreek? You molest the guy in the arena, in the marina, and karma says you will get molested too. Never thought about that until right now. Might have been a little karma. Hmm. You want to attack marina people? I wonder if that guy from the marina lives in Hialeah and went to see an old lady and do a little santaria. And so they brought back the ragdoll. And the old man's like, you're going to ragdoll me? Well, all right, well, we're going to get you ragdolled. And that's what they did to him. So I was convinced that KC was going to win one way or the other. didn't matter to me. Whether you get the ball or not in the overtime, all that kind of stuff. The funny part to me is that people actually thought the game was going to end in overtime. What do you think? There wasn't going to be a second overtime? It's a Super Bowl. they got to settle it. That's kind of, you know, whatever. Yes, sir. No, I was going to say, with the new overtime rules, with the way they are, it it doesn't not benefit you. Because if they would have held San Francisco, would have held Chiefs to a field goal, all Kyle Shanahan's got to go down do now is kick another field goal and they win the Super Bowl. Because it's next score wins after both teams have the ball. Right, So, right, exactly. again, you know, it's not one of those things to where – like, oh, you want the ball second because you need to know what you got to do. Yeah, but you do what they do, and all they got to do is go down and kick a field goal, and you lose the game too. So right, with the see, new rules, I just, I just when, think you got to put – uh, it is, if Casey gets the ball first, they're going to go score a touchdown, and they're going to limit them to whatever, no yeah. score or a field goal. They weren't going to score a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it didn't matter either way. KC was going to win that. No, no, no. I don't think it mattered at that game, but I think it matters in the rules when you're thinking about it because it does – everybody's killing Shanahan for taking the ball first, but in his mind is, okay, if we score and they score, all I've got to do is kick a field goal and we win. Right. You know what I mean? So in these rules, it's not just uh, each team gets a chance and then, you know, keep going back and forth. No, it's both score and then the next score wins. So – Get one possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. get one possession to score and then or tie the score and, and that's it. And when you look at it, that play was third down and four. Do they go for it on fourth and four when it flips to the second quarter of the game? Because even the referee, when he goes to flip the coin, he goes, welcome to the start of a new game. And that's right. what I think a lot of people didn't pick up on. Because at first, even I was looking at like, man, they're taking their time on this clock. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's right. The new rules, they go to a right. second quarter. And I think... But I also I think it takes away some of the thinking, too, because you just saw Mahomes take the San Francisco defense all the way down the field to tie the game. Right. And he probably would have scored if there's more time on the clock. They probably end the game if there's more time there. So Shanahan's like, okay, let me let them get a rest, and hopefully they hold them to a field goal, which knew probably wasn't going to happen. But I just I don't think it's as cut and dry as killing Shanahan for it if, if you no. think about the, the rules no. as far as that goes. You know, and I think we know what was going to happen, but. 
But the fact is that there, you know, was a, a lack of understanding of it on that side. That is kind of a little disturbing. Yeah, the players, right? the players not knowing that's that's kind of like, wait a minute. And so then that's the part that bothers me, Sean. Mm-hmm. The track record of Kyle Shanahan, the track record of Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I'm going to that's what I that's the characteristic that I'm gonna look at. You know, that's kind of a term today, right? The characteristics of the heat have changed. They're no longer that same team that we, you know, grew up watching the first 25 years. You know, it's kind of, or 20 years, things have changed. You know, it's the same thing. I'm just looking at the characteristics of it all and how much Mike McDaniel has to grow or do they grow? Both guys are great at designing offensive plays, but are you great as a head coach? That's part of a head coach. You know, it's it's that moment that the Dolphin players run and surround the football in the Dallas game. And then here comes dumbass Leon Lett sliding and diving in, trying to get the ball, which then makes it a live ball. Every Dolphin player knew they could not touch that ball. But the Cowboy didn't know, wasn't smart enough, and he was thinking they were going for the ball. When the Dolphins, all they did was position themselves around the football. That's intelligence. That's preparation. That's knowing all of the situations. Because that's what an Eric Spolster is going to do for you. That's what a Laranega is going to do for you. That's what a Shula is going to do for you. These kind of people are going to burn it in your brain. And so you're going to make less mistakes out there as a player. So to me, the whole Shanahan thing, whether he deferred or he took it or whatever decision you want to look at it and criticize him for it or how he went about it or his players didn't know what the hell they were doing in the end it's the habitual nature of kyle shanahan in the biggest games of his career he does not he and his team do not perform at an intelligent level they do stupid things and they burn themselves. That's what that's what was hurting Kansas City early on in that game. All kinds of stupid things. And by the way, it hurt Kansas City, right? I mean, it hurt San Francisco. Here, let me pull up the I'll just pull up the play-by-play and read it off for you guys. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Because part of it is you could talk about all the other stuff, right? But then it also comes down to what happened in the game. Players make mistakes, right? So you also have to look in the mirror and and take accountability for your mistake, right? And I'll give you an example here perfectly. I want to read it exactly to a T so I don't make a, uh, a mistake here myself. But on the field goal drive, you put together a 13-play, 66-yard drive for 738, right? And where was it? Oh, no, I think it was. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Here we go. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, in the field goal, 1916. That's what it was. There we go. Now we got the, I got the play by play. Here we go. Okay. So it's second and two at the 18, right? And you've got, uh, Mitchell on the right end. And then there's a penalty by Reed offensive holding. You put yourself at second and 12 at the KC 28, right? And you've got to then make one hell of a play. 13 yards, right, in order to get that first down. You made a hell of a mistake, and you put yourself behind the eight ball. You overcame it, right? And then in first and 10, McCaffrey goes right side, six yards. Second and four, McCaffrey, no gain. Third and four, Purdy pass, incomplete. You settle for a field goal, right? 
And obviously, with that field goal, you end up, um, I think at that point, or was it? Let me see. Oh, my iPad. I really need to update it. Like, I need a new iPad. Here we go. Okay, so that one gave you the 1916 lead, right? But part of that is what I'm saying is that you're making mistakes along the way and you're burning yourself, making it that much harder in order to overcome. And shit like that was going on throughout the game. Kansas City did a bunch of them at the beginning of the game. And so whether you have a mental error or you have a penalty or you have a fumble or you have an interception, all these kind of things kind of set you back. So we can talk about the decisions that you've made, right? Or in the third third quarter, right? You don't run the ball a lot, right? And then they kind of get back into the game, right? In that third quarter, um, end of the second, third, right? It is 10-6, 10-3, San Francisco. And then Kansas City gets back into it, 13-10, San Fran then takes the lead again, 16-13. Then you've got the 16-16, 19-16, and then 22-19, which then we end up with the 22-25. But in the process of all of that, there are mistakes that you're making and setting your team back with a fumble, with an interception, with a penalty, with abandoning the run, with your players not knowing where the hell they're supposed to be at the end of the game and what what what's the status of the game all of this shit brings it all together and that's why i'm telling you about mike mcdaniel it's not winning challenges it's not getting in plays on time it's making mistakes constantly and you're a great play designer they're giving you great talent You've got to do better. You know, I can demand more from Mike McDaniel from this season, right? Just like a Niners fan should demand more from Kyle Shanahan and his team because they're right there on the brink. And if you've watched the last two San Francisco trips with Kyle Shanahan and then you go back to Atlanta with a 25-point lead, you have to start saying, what is going on here? Why is it that this guy does not get better in these situations? How many more times is Kyle Shanahan going to be in that situation? Marino was in it once. He's been in it three times now. And whether it's he, him making mistakes or his team making mistakes, and then I go back to the tree and I say, damn, our guy does a lot of the same shit. This is not good. All right, let's get to it, baby. Cam Wolf, unleash the Wolf Pack right now. So to me, it doesn't matter that much. We can debate, but in the end, his team was making mistakes throughout the game, just like Kansas City was making a ton of them in the first half and putting themselves in all kinds of bad positions. But the disturbing part, if I was a San Fran fan and if I'm a Dolphins fan, is the habitual nature of it, unfortunately. Kyle Shanahan losing the 25-point lead against the Patriots as the offensive coordinator, dropped a run. Last two trips here to the Super Bowl with the Niners, he's had a double-digit lead. You know, his players at the end of the game even talked about not knowing the situation, all that kind of stuff. And then the mistakes that were made whether you abandon the run in the third quarter, whether you think that was an issue or not, whatever. The bottom line is he's been in this situation three times. That's a lot more than most people ever get. Like I said, Marino was in that situation just one time. That's right. it. He never right. got three cracks at it. Right. And I turn it over to Mike McDaniel, another terrific play designer. But again, mm -hmm. habitually, there are constant mistakes that are being made. And so whether it's a fair comparison or not, it is something to look at since they both come from the same tree. And I got to be honest in this long-winded question, I think that's what season three under Mike McDaniel is all about. A lot of it is, have you learned, my man? How, can you stop continually making the same mistakes you've been making for two years like your counterpart 
uh, Kyle Shanahan does in the game's biggest moments? So I'll start this with San Fran. I think that um, it's certainly a pattern. Like Kyle Shanahan, 0-3 in the Super Bowl. Um, It becomes a thing. And I talked about this on GMFB last week. You don't want to get in the category of like the best coach to never win a Super Bowl, right? The, 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 uh, Marv Leavis, the Marv Leavis, the Marty Schottenheimers, the uh, the the Bud Grants, you know, um, all these legendary coaches who were very good coaches, but didn't get it done, you know. And, and we know it only. Our boy Andy Reid was that before. Absolutely, and that that was my point. This is the Andy Reid era of Kyle Shanahan because if you remember when he was in Philly, he kept getting to the conference title games. He kept getting to the Super Bowl, but he couldn't get over the top. Now, Andy was doing this for about 15 years. Kyle Shanahan has done it for seven. But at the same token, Kyle Shanahan has now been to four NFC Championship games in five years and has zero rings. Has been to two Super Bowls in five years, has zero rings. And it starts to get in your head a little bit. It starts to, you know, can I do it? Do I have what it takes? Your team starts to wonder when we get to the big game, are we going to crumble again? Um, I think that this by one. Way, by the way, it's three Super Bowls because we have to lay the Atlanta one because it was really. Well, I'm awesome. saying in the last five years. I'm just saying in the last five years in the immediate. You know, right. yes, three Super Bowls overall. He's 0 3 and three Super Bowls. But I'm just saying, like in a short frame for San Fran, four and five for the conference title that you're in. A, that's impressive. I'd say most fan bases would take that. But if you don't have a title, it, it leaves it feeling sort of empty if that's your fan base, right? Um, so Kyle Shanahan has to wear a lot of this. It's going to be a rough offseason for him. He's going to wear a lot of it. I don't know if, I, if, I, if I'm if i bothered as much by the, the overtime stuff. Like I know a lot of people were, whether he picked to go first or second. I don't know if it really mattered. Uh, I think the analytics said it was about even. You do want your players to be aware of the rule, but I don't think it affected the game per se as much as like, um, you know, them. I, I love the slight shot by Cam at the end there. You'd love your players to know, you know. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is bothering that you have like three or four players in post game saying, oh, well, I just thought we score, we win, you know, that like that should affect your decision making, your play how you go about things. So I would want my players to know that that's on Kyle. Um, I will say this though, like they were the better team throughout the game. And, and as much as it's on Kyle Shanahan, the reality is they just ran into a dude who is the best quarterback of this generation. And it came to a situation of like, when, when he had the ball in his hands at the end with a chance to win everybody at home, your house, my house, heck even 49ers fans house are like, he's going to do it. It's just who he is. And right. so until they have, and they won't, a Mahomes, a game-changing quarterback, you're always going to be the outside looking at. And so yeah. kind of pull this full circle with the Dolphins, you were talking about Mike McDaniel. Um, obviously, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. He's a different guy. But I'm sure Dolphins fans would at least love a taste of that 49er success, the conference championships, the Super Bowl appearances. I think <clears> – <throat> What is interesting and what Mike can maybe learn from Kyle Shanahan is that it's more than just the scheme. It's the situational. It is the um, understanding of, of, of the moments. And, and, and ultimately, every team, including the Dolphins, and I'm just going to keep it fair with this, is asking themselves a question. Do we have the quarterback? Do we have the team that we can go mano a mano with Patrick Mahomes? And for most people, it's going to be no. Nobody, nobody, there's not really been an answer, but everything's going to be matched up on them. They are the dynasty of this era, just like the Patriots were. Everything is, every team is created to try to beat the Patriots, to try to match that. I think you're going to see an offseason where the Dolphins are trying to find what can we do to close that gap. I don't know what it is, but that's that's the challenge. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It's uh, it's a hell of a challenge. And, and I think McDaniel has to do that. That's where you, McDaniel needs to be a little bit more like Spo, where, okay, you may not have the best talent, you may not have the best team, but have them best prepared. And, right. you, and you be best prepared, okay? Because nobody, nobody picks the heat to be in the finals or the Eastern Conference finals for four straight years. Right. Nobody. Nobody. Unless, you know, you're the, the blind-ass Heat fan, Dolphin fan, that thinks every year their team is going to win the Super Bowl. We've we have those people. Yes, that's fine. 
But outside that, most normal people, they don't look at the heat that way. They're just impressed that Spo is as good as he is. You know what I mean? And that's what I think I'm asking of Mike McDaniel. Hey, man, listen, Andy Reid, you know what the difference is? It's Donovan McNabb, and it's... <laughs> yeah, I was like, Andy Reid's a heck of a coach. I got a lot of respect. But the biggest difference between Philly and KC was not him becoming a dramatically better coach. Well, he got a different quarterback. He got, a he got he got well, he got a player who, and I've said this throughout, and now that he's won, I think it's just him and Tom Brady. Like I, I got all respect for Joe Montana. I got all respect for Dan Elway and 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 um, and, and Joe uh, and John Elway and uh, Dan Marino and all these guys who are legends. But to me, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and eventually, I've, I've, I've unlike and, you. I've watched them all that you talked about. I watched yes. their entire careers. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that at I all. Like, I was like, I know I'm younger, so I don't Great. want to disrespect history, which is why I think your opinion is valid. Because, like, I, I did not grow up watching uh, Montana, Elway, Marino. Um, you know, but I, I can put Brady in Montana's role, and they would win the same because he has the same characteristics money player, super accurate, ball placement, anticipatory skills, all that kind of shit. So that's why I can interchange them a little bit. And I can say, yeah, the same thing would have happened, you know, overall. So I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Could we have a discussion yeah. and I could an argument for Elway uh, yeah. against, against Mahomes? Yeah, because Elway didn't have the teams that Mahomes has right now. Right. You know? The only time he had him was at the end of his career in 95 and 96 yep. when he had a defense and a running game, something right. that you weren't going to win with Sammy Winder, bro. Right. You just weren't right. going to win with Sammy And I think that stuff matters. That stuff matters, which is why I'm not a big – why I'm not the big ring chaser. Like, everyone seems to count rings and say that defines who your quarterback – who the GOAT is. Like, oh, Brady's got, what, six rings, seven, one of those two. And seven. because – Seven because of that, no one can be the goat until you get seven. I disagree. I think I could certainly be the goat if he only gets four or five. Um, By the way, I'll give you an example. It's not the best example, but it shows a little bit of that. What happened this weekend? Um, yeah. disgusting that Antonio Gates doesn't get in first ballot. Why? Because yep. he doesn't have a ring. Yeah, because he doesn't have a ring. But yep. Antonio Gates is a First ballot Hall of Famer. End of story. I've watched this sport for 50 years. That's as good as it gets, bro. He's yeah. as good as Kelsey. He's as good as Kittle. He he's as as good as uh the guy that played for the Chargers before. What's his name? Uh Winslow. Yeah, uh, Winslow. He's as good as any tight end that ever played. I get he's not the best blocking tight end. He's not the Kittle and the Gronk. I get all of that, but it was third down. You knew the ball was going to Gates yeah, every right. time, and you right. could not stop that shit. Yep, yep. That, that's the epitome of a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I like, grew I grew up watching Gates. I'm was sending it off to Jim Brown and Walter Payton. I'm throwing it to Rice. Yeah, you're not doing anything about it, bro. Yep. It's over. Here goes Justin Jefferson. I don't give a shit who you got on him. I'm burning your ass. Just yeah. certain people are like that. And to me, we, we, we're, we're doing that. To, to We do this all the time to players. They don't have a championship, so we don't treat them the same way. Antonio Gates is as good as anybody that's ever played the game, dude. Yeah, Antonio Gates should be a Hall of Famer. He should have been oh, in this week, and, and he's going he's, to yeah, be in uh, very soon. I just, you know, Hall of Fame stuff confuses me. Now, now let's get to Andy Reid. Yeah. Uh, your 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 boy in Philly since you're a Philly yeah, guy. Absolutely. And Andy, Andy Reid hindsight. Andy Reid is Eric Spolstra with Jimmy Butler. How do you like them apples? Mm. You don't mm. give them enough, but he got you to the best he can get you yeah. with McNabb. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. now you go give him an elite quarterback because McNabb was good. Yep. Mahomes is, you know, that's the difference, dude. And so Andy Reid actually has done what Eric Spolster has done with Jimmy Butler the last four years. Yeah, you, and I'd say for Andy, Andy. You couldn't ask any more from Andy Reid and what he did in right. Philadelphia. He did the right. best he could. Here, right. 
He has the balance. And he's grown like one a few years back. What did they have? They had the balance. They yeah. had everything they needed. And he's grown too through his time there. Like I, I watched those Philly teams a lot. Andy Reid was like criticized a lot because of uh, that was his thing. If he got in under two minutes, fourth quarter, he would blow it, right? Yeah, I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's got a lot better in his biggest criticism, which is why I'm, I, I have a willingness for coaches to grow. I know you're critical of Mike McDaniel a lot of some of his – I think Andy Reid's an example of how you can grow through time over your Achilles heel as a coach. And the hope is Kyle Shanahan, he can get over this being his Achilles heel for big games, you know, holding leads. Um, but in Tulsa, it's going to be your narrative. And so right now, it's Kyle Shanahan's narrative. It's Mike McDaniel's narrative. By the way, and I give McDaniel a chance. Yeah. Whereas Flo and Philbin, they couldn't build staffs, and they had no people skills. I could see that. And so to me, that was going to be their demise. Right. Right. And, and they also had the other characteristic that I keep telling people. I love coaches who have been hired and fired 87 times. Because they've been all over, and that's helped McDaniel. That he, Philbin and Flo were stuck in one organization forever. And then you had Adam Gase, who had no people skills also, and was kind of dead set in his ways. Whereas McDaniel, I think, has the intelligence, and he has an offensive mind that none of these guys ever had. I give him a chance, actually. I, I think he can figure it out. It's up to him now. Now, he's got to prove it. You know what I mean? But, like, I gave up with those guys in their second years. Like, I, you know, I, actually, with Philbin, I gave up when he got hired because I knew, like, five people in the Green Bay building, and they were like, if you're going to hire one of our guys, hire Tom Clements at least. Not that guy. That's what they all told me. To a man, all five of them that I knew in that building. Yep. They all said Tom Clements. Why? Because he's like the guy that actually develops the quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so and that, that's been the Dolphins' problem for whatever. But uh, that I had inside information that Philbin was just not going to be good for it. They told me also he won't be able to build a staff. McCarthy's not going to let anybody go and all that other stuff. So I, I lost out on these guys in the second year. I'm not there with McDaniel, but I am very critical of what's going on. But I think he is smart enough. Come on, Cam. Yeah. He's got to be able to figure this thing out, bro. Yeah. I think so. I think he will. I think he will. It's going to be a very interesting year. I've said it time and time again. I think the roster is going to decrease talent-wise. So you're going to need your coaches more than ever to get the most out of these young players and to learn from their errors. They, this year they had margin of error because of their talent. They could go out there, play sloppy, get away with it. That margin of error I think is going to decrease. And so your discipline, your focus – your, your uh, attention to details has to increase to match that. And you can win that way, as you mentioned with the Heat. The Heat have not always had the most talented team. I think the Dolphins went out and made a huge talent splashes this offseason, which is great, but you need the other stuff. You need the grit. You need the culture. You need the attention to detail, the discipline. And I think those are the things they really need to hone in on this offseason. There's a, there's a, a real fact in this sport and in a lot of other sports, it's not a football thing. There's a lot of other, a lot of other pro sports that athletes, uh, some of them really are playing for the love of the money, not necessarily the game. Uh, the championship isn't necessarily the, the end all be all, but Tyreek Hill does have one of them and he watches his former team win too. And I know over the weekend he kind of downplayed it and, hey, we'll have our time and all that kind of good stuff. He said all the right things. Does he believe what he tweeted? Um, I think there's probably still some, some jealousy, some – I don't know what you call it. I don't know if it's jealousy or – Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you, you, it's, it's like anything else, right? If you see the place you left having success without you, it, it, it hits a little different. Everybody would love, trust me, if I left left NFL Network today to go to a, go to a different company, I wouldn't want everybody saying, oh, wow, look at how NFL Network's grown the last year. And and I'm like, well, I've been gone. Like, it's, you know, you start to relate it in your mind, like, damn, was I holding them back? Like, why, why couldn't, you know, what if I stayed a little longer? What if I did this? Like, I think it's natural. And I don't think it's any indictment on the Dolphins. I think it's just the reality of, you have a legendary quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And I don't even know if Tyreek understood at that time 
just how much he could do without, right? I think Tyreek's part of Tyreek leaving is to prove how good he was, how good, how how much he wasn't dependent on a Patrick or a Travis Kelsey. And he's shown that he's not dependent. He can have success with Tua as his quarterback um, as well. But the winning, the winning is what hurts because, you know, they clearly have not won at the equal level since the trades happened. And so I'm sure he's definitely hurting a little bit. I, I know publicly he said he was rooting for the Chiefs, and I'm not saying he's he was lying, but I think oh, a part of him, I think, a, yeah, it's a lot of his boys. I think he's rooting probably for his boys, his relationships, but I'm sure a part of him was like, man, if they lose, then, you know, they only got one more, you know, two more, it starts to feel a little different. Like I maybe missed out on the legendary, on the legendary uh, dynasty. This is why I laugh at everyone that tries to make fun of Deion Sanders mm -hmm. because I've watched him since he was a child doing his shit from high school to college to right. the pros. And the bravado is what turns some people off, right? Mm -hmm. But see, I don't have a problem with bravado when bravado is backed with facts and you get it done every single time. And Tyreek wanted to do a Deion Sanders, even though this was done before he was born, probably. I don't know what year it was. But back in the early 90s, I don't know what year was Tyreek born. But in the early 90s, Deion yeah, said. 93, 94, I'm guessing. Uh, somewhere there. Yeah. So it was right around when he was born. Uh, Deion said, yeah, you know, uh, I think I'm going to help Dallas win the Super Bowl this year. I helped San Fran this year. I'm just going to go over to Dallas. And help mm -hmm. them win the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what happened. Right. He went over to Dallas and they went and won the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because yep. once you added Dion, you eliminated, you know, whoever was the number one receiver, your day was done. You weren't going to catch a ball. It was over for you because there was nobody that could cover like that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and there are certain guys that can do this kind of stuff. And this is why I laugh at all these people, because when he goes to Jackson State and then now he goes to Colorado and you keep doubting him. And it's like, bro, did you not watch him play baseball and football in one day? Right. Did you not watch him like help an entire football team win a, a, a Super Bowl against a rival? Yep. Are you not watching his entire career? Everything he tells you he's going to do, he ends up doing it every single time. Mm -hmm. We make a couple of those kind of guys, dude. And. Tyreek is special, but he ain't Dion special. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer, play a first ballot Hall of Famer. Sure. Um, one of the best receivers ever. But it shows you just the difference of how significant quarter play, quarterback play is and the importance of everything. Sure. And like sure. I said, this is not a knock on Tua. I think this is more of praise of just how much Patrick Mahomes is a level above the rest of this league. And I think that you're seeing this, and I know I complain about it sometimes too. We obsess about like, why is the quarterback always the focus? Why is every sports shock show talking about the quarterback? Why is he the only one who gets the MVP? Why is this? Why is because the quarterback changes the game more than any other player? Like it's, it's such a big effect. And Patrick Mahomes has done with a arguably less talented Chiefs roster than you know probably say eight or 10 other teams in this league and still brought them a championship. That to me is just something you can't measure. And so, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Tyreek could play, Tyreek could play the best wide receiver season ever. It was not going to win the Dolphins a Super Bowl this year. And that's no, the difference. You know, Cam, it's and, also a part of understanding the game, mm -hmm. and the situation that that person and that team is in at the moment that it's different than other other situations. None of us with a brain is sitting here going, oh, Brock Purdy's not good enough. No, mm -hmm. dude, you can easily win with Brock Purdy. Right. The difference is, you know, some guys, you can just let them loose and they can play outside of the the normal constraints of football. Yep. And, and Joe Montana, which this is why when you say Brady Mahomes, and I tell you I don't have a problem with that because – Joe Montana won because there was incredible balance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Roger Craig was always there to run the ball and to catch the ball. Right. And there was always a, a, a hall of fame tight end. And eventually they added a, 
Uh, it didn't end up in the Hall of Fame, but Tom Rathman was like a nasty ass fullback, bro. Right. And right. then you had obviously the two monsters playing wide receiver and everything else. And you had a Hall of Fame defense, dude, at yep. times. Now, what you can't do with M Montana is tell him, I need you to play the Dan Marino role right now. You have no running game, no defense, and all you're going to do is air out the ball and they know it. Right. He can't do that. Right. He can't mm -hmm. do that. This is why I laugh at people. Oh, he's a system player. No, idiot. Everyone's a system player. Mm -hmm. Because that's what coaches have to figure out. Where you thrive. What right. system, what scheme. Because there's only one Pat Mahomes that can play in any system you want. Right. Okay, Lamar Jackson cannot play in any system you want. If you're going to make it a passing game where he's got to sit there and play the Marino game, he'll die. He'll die on an island all by his lonesome. Why? Because he has to use his legs. How did so this end up taking a shot at Lamar? I feel like no show is complete. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm taking a shot at Joe Montana, dude. I'm, I I, you know, I'm, I'm calling it like I see it. Everyone has limitations. I don't mm -hmm. give a shit if you're Joe Montana. I don't give a shit if you're Marino. You think you can play Marino in Lamar Jackson's role? No. You can play Purdy in Lamar Jackson's role? No. No right. one can play Lamar. If you want a compliment, no one can play in Lamar Jackson's role because right. he's the only athlete of that kind. We've mm -hmm. never seen anything like Michael Vick can't play Lamar Jackson's role. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So everybody is some kind of system somewhere. Yeah, but at absolutely. the same time, you also have to understand the situation you're in. Hindsight now tells you in this conversation, Andy Reid was phenomenal in Philadelphia. Yes. He did the best he possibly really could with his experience and with Donovan McNabb. Now you give him Pat Mahomes. My God, everybody looks better. And now you've got the guy that's the ultimate eraser because. Everybody wants Mahomes, but if you look at the history of the league, how many quarterbacks have you developed that can play in any system you want? Right. Not right. that many. Not many. Not many. Not many. You know, uh, Jim Kelly ran a K-gun in Buffalo with mm -hmm. Reed and all these guys, Thurman Thomas and all that kind of stuff. And, brother, this was like a quick strike moving offense. Not every mm -hmm. quarterback could do that. Kelly could do that. Some other guys could, but you could not put everybody in that system. And so that, to me, you have to have an understanding also of where the team is at, what the coach is, who the quarterback is. But that doesn't mean that without Mahomes, you can't win a title. You right. can win it with Purdy, but you've got to run the ball. You've got to play smart. you got to stay away from mistakes because when you run into the Bradys and you run into the Mahomes and you run into the Montanas, you need to be perfect as a football team. And if right. you do that, then you're the Baltimore Ravens of the early 2000s, and you win a championship. You're the Broncos of 2016 or whatever it was. You're the Bucks of 03, correct, or something right. like that. You have your moments even with lesser quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But when you play those special dudes, you gotta you got to play in a, the entire team has to play an elite level. We can't be blaming Purdy at all. Purdy did a damn good job in that game. I'm with you. He's not the reason they lost that game. You know? And yeah. so with Tua, can you win? Of course he can. But McDaniel's going to have to stick to the run. He's going to have to become more of a physical team. You uh -huh. can't play Tua like you play Marino, which is what I keep telling everybody all year here. And that's his problem right now with McDaniel. He plays Tua like he thinks he's Jim Kelly in the K-Gun and Marino in the K-Gun, when that's not what he is. He's a, a, a play-action quarterback that you need the running game to assist him, just like Purdy, just like a lot of normal quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Have a freak, bro. We used to have one in the 80s and the 90s. We had a freak for a while. Sorry, bro. They don't grow on trees. But you right, can absolutely, and it's fine. You can win. Like the other teams have to try. It's not like, oh well, what are we gonna do? We don't have Mahomes. You try, you try, and 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 maybe you get them one year. 49ers tried, the Ravens tried, the Bills tried, the Dolphins tried. This was not the time. But next year, who knows? You, you, maybe you catch them in a wrong year. Maybe you catch them on the right day. Maybe you got the right formula. Um, but right now, you're stuck in the era 
with the goat. And you got to deal with it. It is what it is. Hey, hey Zoe and Timmy. Yeah. And Harley and all oh, those. How, how do you think? How do you think all those teams felt when MJ was going the through? Pacer, <laughs> Jazz, the 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 Cavs, the Heat, the Knicks. Yeah. Like they were good. They were really good teams. They, they could have had a different history. They, they all could have won a title. Yes. And one dude cock blocked them. Yeah. One dude cock blocked him. What are you gonna yeah. do, bro? Right. It is what it is. Like I said, you just ran into the wrong guy in the wrong air. It was Tom Brady for a lot of folks. Like, like how many rings would Peyton Manning have had if it wasn't for Tom Brady? How many rings might a, a Philip Rivers or a Big Ben might have had if, if, if they ran into they just ran into an era where it was Tom, you know, for 20 years. And now it's Peyton for how I mean, if now it's uh Patrick for however long it is. And somebody's gonna sneak in. They don't they're gonna win all of them. There's gonna be a couple quarterback, and you just hope that your team is positioned to be one of those quarterbacks who breaks up the mix, you know, like a Joe Flacco Ravens in 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 08 or uh a, a Broncos with 2015 with with Peyton Manning in the bunch or uh, the Seahawks, the year they got the Malcolm Butler. You just hope that you're in that mix where you can make a play, you can be that team one of those years and and uh, just kind of survive the air. Excellent football conversation. What do you got going on in the NFL Network, my friend? Well, I am actually starting my vacation um, today. Um, I'm going to Europe. I'm going to Barcelona, to Rome, to Florence, Madrid. Uh, so we're going to be going out there for actually leaving out here in about four and a half hours. And uh, we'll, we'll be there until the Saturday uh, before combine. So about a week and a half. So we'll have to figure out how we do the show. I may have to pop on a, a little bit later uh, towards combine time. I don't know what my service is going to look like in Barcelona. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I snuck in a vacation uh, for wifey. It's her 30th birthday. Uh, it was a month ago. So we're doing a little celebration here and uh, sneaking in between Super Bowl and combine because we still got another two or three months of uh, football action. So. You'll love the food. Great food in Barcelona. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's my people. Al Zugari yeah. is a Spanish name, Vasco. I love it. I love so it. My people are from the mountains, apparently. That's where my people come from. I don't know. That's what I've been told. Right. Uh, but it is because a lot of, the, you know, it's we're like Americans. Cubans really don't exist. They came yeah. from other countries and, you know, they just migrated. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real interesting thing how we got this thing like we want to hate migrants when, that's all these countries are made of Absolutely. is Absolutely. It's hilarious. That's all it's made of. All it's made of. <laughs> Crazy. That's it's hilarious. Anyway, follow him on Twitter at Cameron Wolf and catch his work there at the NFL Network. Cam, as always, thank you, my brother. We'll catch up later on. All right, sir. Got it. There you go. Cameron Wolf, baby. KSDT CPAs. Make sure you reach out to them. They are hiring. They've got offices in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. And uh, when it comes to KSDT, listen, if you need uh, you need help for your business, we got tax season's coming up. I hate to mention it, but it's very important. So tax, advisory, assurance, uh, accounting, they can help you in every which way possible. And especially if you own a business, you know you need that guidance throughout the year. Call them, 305-670-3370. Please tell them that we sent you. They'll take care of you. Use that QR code for your personal or your business taxes. And you can be anywhere. They can help you. Doesn't really matter. You can do a lot of that on the phone. KSDT CPA. And they're hiring in offices in Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. And they've got an office in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're hiring there.